Welcome to Agents of Nothing, an episode-by-episode recap and analysis from the perspectives of a veteran and a new recruit. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Good morning, Agents of Nothing, and welcome to our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We are your commanding officers. I'm Mariah. And I'm Caroline. And today we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 15, Space Time. Yeah! So, Mariah, how was your week? Um, so, they moved me to the children's desk at work, Ooh. which is not an answer as to how my week was, but... It's what happened. Oh, boy. It's, <laughs> it's been an adventure. What's different about it? Um, well, where I previously... I was at the YA desk, which is, like, towards the back of the library, mm-hmm. so we didn't really get a whole lot of people, like, coming to bother us there. Yeah. <laughs> um... I'm not much of a people person. I, <laughs> what? No way. I like books and quiet. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a lot noisier than I'm used to, um, especially because I mean I'm in the children's section. I'm right next to like the train set and the Lego table and everything. The children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. I, I think it'll be fun in the long run. It's just, it's a lot to get used to. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you'll make new little buddies and stuff. Yeah. That'll be fun. So how was your week? My week was great. Um, started off super strong. Saw Paramore since Woo! last time we saw each other. So that was amazing. Um, and then my friend Andy came into town to visit. Um, for his birthday week, so Aww, so that was Andy. really cool. It was a a little bit of a last minute trip, so I wasn't able to like take off work or anything. So we were just like <laughs> hanging out in the morning. We would go get breakfast or coffee or something, and then I would go to work, and then we would go to dinner in the afternoon or in the evening. And then he was just like entertaining himself the rest of the time. <laughs> I was like, I hope you liked your trip to Austin, where like. We couldn't really do anything together, but it was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. So, that's all. Shall we start? Yes, let's start. So, this episode was written by Marissa Tancherowen and Jed Whedon, and directed by Kevin Tancherowen. Oh my god. Mom and Dad and Uncle Jed. (laughs) Wait, no. Just kidding. Wrong. What? Uncle Kevin. Uncle Kevin. (laughs) They're the ones that have the same last name, and so it got me twisted. (laughs) (laughs) Mom and Dad and Uncle Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, no new characters, uh, or, or at least none important enough to have a name. Well, wait a minute. Just kidding. Charles. Yeah. Anyway, and then whatever the <laughs> other guy, you know what? <laughs> I watched this last night <laughs> yeah. and it's just gone. <laughs> Charles and, um, CEO guy. Yeah. What? Hang on. I wrote it down somewhere. Started with an A. No. Abbott. Abbott? Edwin Abbott. Whew. Okay. It's like. Two terrible governor names. (laughs) I actually have a fun fact that I didn't include because I couldn't remember who the hell Edwin Edwin Abbott was. Oh my god, include it now. Okay, let me go to my original Google Docs (laughs) note. Season 3, episode 15, extra chaotic version. (laughs) Taylor's version from the vault, 10 minute version, sad girl autumn version. Recorded at Long Pond Studios. <laughs> the character Edwin Abbott is named after the 19th century teacher and theologian Edwin A. Abbott, who wrote the book Flatland, which uses a similar metaphor to explain the mathematical theory of time and space that Fitz uses as an explanation for the team. Oh! That's way better than the people that I was thinking about with his name. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't remember who Rowan Hamilton is. You wouldn't happen to. That was a character? 
I don't know, I guess. <laughs> Rowan. Rowan. Sometimes no. it it might be someone from the next episode because some I find that happens especially on uh IMDb a lot where oh. I will randomly get a fun fact and it's for the wrong episode. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so could be that. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe so. All right. Let's get started. All right. Um, so we start out with some absolutely stunning shots of a man carving a bird out of wood and then like paint it, painting or, or staining it. Um, honestly, beautiful. I could have watched those shots for hours. Um, <laughs> the man seems to be homeless and hanging out in an alley or courtyard or something behind a restaurant. Um, I believe later we find out it was a grocery store, um, and the owner comes out the back door to take out the trash or whatever, and tells Charlie, or Charles, that he can't sleep there anymore now that the place is opening. He says it's because of the customers, but this is literally the back of the restaurant or store or whatever, so, like, customers would not be affected in, in any way. But whatever. <laughs> and also, he's clearly not doing anything crazy. He's just, like, whittling his birds. Like, let him chill there. The way that we treat the unhoused is so saddening. And, Absolutely. like, I can't, I can't sit here and say that I haven't fallen victim to that. Because it's, like, what I was raised on. Totally. Is... You know, like, just ignore them. Don't look at them. Don't look them in the eye. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard because it... Oftentimes when um, you're in the moment, you have to kind of choose between um, compassion or keeping yourself safe in an unknown situation with strangers. But when it comes to, like, someone who's just sitting there, like... It's a different, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so the owner tries to give Charles some money to buy himself breakfast somewhere else, of course. Um, when the man starts begging not to be touched because he doesn't want any trouble. The owner insists, and from the second that their hands touch, the owner seizes up and he starts begging for Daisy Johnson to help him. Huh? <laughs> I was like, Caroline's going to be so confused right now. I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who are these people? <laughs> and well, so S.H.I.E.L.D. is apparently tapped into every emergency dispatch service all over the world and was immediately alerted when local grocer Edwin Abbott called 911 and oh, asked... that's Edwin Abbott. Yeah. So then that must be, the other guy must be Rowan Hamilton. Must be, yeah. The Okay. The CEO guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, and was immediately alerted when local grocer Edwin Abbott called 911 and asked specifically for Daisy Johnson because Hydra was going to kill him. Even though neither Daisy nor S.H.I.E.L.D. in general has ever heard of him. Why did I make that a separate sentence? <laughs> um, because Hydra was going to kill him. Even though neither Daisy... Blah, 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 blah. Jesus Christ. You're fine. Even I'll though, cut that part out. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> So then Colson, May, and Daisy and Lincoln all head out immediately. Once they get on site, it turns out Charles gave Edwin a vision of the future, of this very moment where he meets Daisy, and then May yells Hydra as the Hydra helicopter arrives and starts spraying bullets and fucking explosive over the whole block. At this point, I was like, so is Hydra monitoring 911 calls, too, or are Ooh. they after Charles? Like, I'm confused as to why they're here. How did they know about Charles? Yeah. I have a lot of questions. That, that's a very interesting question. I did not think about that. I just figured, 
I mean, because they we found out that they are after Charles. But how did they find him? Yeah, they have to be monitoring the calls too. And then how did yeah. how did they know wh- what person they'd be looking for? Right. I mean, well, do they know? Do they know Daisy? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Damn. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then Edwin also says that he saw his own death right before he's then hit himself. Ugh. Jesus Christ, that was violent. Yeah. Like, I know it's an action show, but damn. It was, yeah. It was a lot. I can't, I'm, usually they don't show, like, the impact of the bullet. And so that yeah. was, that was unexpected for this show. Yeah. The blood splattering was, yeah. like, what got me. I was, oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, so Daisy realizes that Charles must be inhuman and that Hydra is after him, which he is, and they are. <laughs> she gets to him just in time to reach for his hand as they pull him up in a net. But then she gets a vision as well and obviously cannot help him. Um, the vision includes a woman who, (laughs) I thought she looked like Daisy. And so I was like, we already met her mom though. Um, (laughs) a woman who looks like Daisy crying, Fitzsimmons upset and possibly at a funeral. Um, Lincoln with blood running down his face. (laughs) And I thought, I knew when I decided I liked him, he wouldn't be around long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Daisy fighting several people at once Coulson shooting and then Charles himself saying that he was hoping Daisy could help as he's then escorted away on a landing pad ooh that was interesting that they kind of flipped that some of those are like were out of order yeah interesting um yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm, like, very afraid of Lincoln dying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting it at every turn. I don't want it to happen, but I just feel like it's going to. <laughs> um, so then Daisy uh, comes to in tears as Colson, May, and Lincoln try to figure out what the hell just happened. <laughs> And then the funniest fucking shot I've ever seen. Hive walks around this fucking like castle corner like he works for the Volturi or something. He looks like he's in the fucking Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) He's got like wind billowing through the tails of his fucking suit coat. Like he's Bugs Bunny trying to sit at a piano and sing Figaro. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed at this, that one shot for so fucking long. Hive is such a good villain, though. I forgive it. I love him. I hate him, and I love to hate him. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that was so funny. It was so dramatic. Hate isn't even the word. I'm like, I'm just terrified of Hive. Hey, yeah. He does, I mean, so far, he seems pretty unstoppable. Um, anyway, so Hive joins Malik at a fucking feast, and they have a little therapy session <laughs> to figure out that what Malik really wants is power. And, you know, I mean, I feel like I could have told you that, but everyone has to find their own journey and their own time, I guess. It's all good. <laughs> I did. It was pretty funny, though, the way that, like, Hive was literally asking questions like a therapist (laughs) to be like, and what do you want? Why did you bring me here? And what do you want? Really? But what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So then they bring out Charles and Hive says that it's time to go above ground. And then he pulls out Coulson's prosthetic hand and sets it on the table. Um, and then Malik was like, 
gotta hand it to you. <laughs> Actually, David said that, but it was very funny, and I had to include it. <laughs> <laughs> Something about, I don't know, literally everything Hive does is so, like, dramatic and random, and it just... He's so freaky and also hilarious. <laughs> So Daisy is still recovering from seeing the future while Coulson, Lincoln, May, and Fitzsimmons all help dissect each part of the vision. Fitz explains in actually the most concise and clear way I've ever heard um, how space-time and the fourth dimension works in order to demonstrate that there is no way to change the future. I just love when Fitzsimmons talk nerdy. Truly. Um, but like, I, like the way that... He literally just had a stack of papers, just drew a line on it. I was like, nobody's ever explained it that way. That makes so much sense. <laughs> I feel like I, people have, like, I've seen videos and, like, had people try to explain it by, like, drawing it on just a sheet of paper. But drawing it on a stack of papers makes so much more sense. It, I could not explain it back to you. But <laughs> but you got it. I got it in the moment. It made sense for a second there. <laughs> made my brain hurt, but it made sense. <laughs> it just made my brain hurt. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, but anyway, Fitz is saying it's not possible to change the future because of how space-time and the fourth dimension works. But Coulson is determined to change it. So, Daisy is to stay at the base so that she can't be at the center of all of these things happening. Coulson is not touching his gun, and Fitzsimmons are not to go anywhere near snow until this situation is resolved. I did not... I didn't catch on to snow <laughs> when I saw the vision, but... Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I... At this point, I was just like... Because I, I couldn't remember exactly what happened, but I knew that Daisy was not going to stay in the base. No. When does Daisy ever do what she's told? <laughs> you know, we said that Lincoln is who Hunter thought he was, um, but really Daisy is who Hunter thought he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember he when Hunter like first showed up on the scene and... Um, he, like, was trying to pick Daisy's brain and all. There's a reason for that. She's too cool. Oh, my God. Do you remember that song from Camp Rock? Too cool. <laughs> what the fucking yeah, shoulder thing? Yeah, too cool <laughs> to know you. Don't take it personal. Don't get emotional. We know it's the truth. I'm too cool for you. <laughs> Oh my god. The way that that's exactly like first what I thought of and then you brought it up. <laughs> I like was not going to say anything. We're so in sync. <laughs> so Lincoln and Colson continue talking about how confusing space time is, but Lincoln has always said, as he's always said, uh, that inhuman powers are not random. And that's twice now that Lincoln has said that Inhumans were intelligently designed and their powers aren't random, and I still didn't remember. <laughs> it's fine, though, because he's always said that. He's always said that. Uh, plus, he remembers how all of Reyna's visions came true, even if it wasn't how they expected, um, but Daisy was able to help her. So Charles giving Daisy these visions somehow that correlated um, but it means that she'll be able to help him or something uh, whatever <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it made sense in the moment I guess <laughs> uh, um, and so then they find Charles's old identity and address at which he did not live alone. The name Charles Hinton is a reference to British mathematician Charles Howard Hinton. He was known for his theory on the fourth dimension and also coined the term tesseract for the four-dimensional analog of the cube. Oh. Also, I, I misspelled his last name for, like, the rest of this. <laughs> it's all good. Um... 
But that's cool, though. So Daisy is going back over her vision again with Fitzsimmons, trying to use whatever details she can remember to narrow down where she will eventually see Charles and talk to him again. Fitz is using the shield servers to search for whatever keywords she throws at him. <laughs> Fuck! But not all the servers! Of course, not May's servers that are looking for Andrew. That was a close one. That was so close. I can't believe how close that was. <laughs> May being like, not all the servers. And, <laughs> and then Daisy was like, yes, all the servers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was so my mom coded. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, May is unfortunately not as impressed by these attempts to change the future as she would be by trying to change the past. Wouldn't we all? Yeah. Just then, Daisy sees the woman from her vision walking into S.H.I.E.L.D., Colson introduces her as Charles's wife. Um, do not remember her first name. Do you remember her first name? I don't think she was given one. At least I don't remember it. That's sexist. Marissa, we thought better of you. <laughs> God damn it. Um, anyway, so Daisy is running the interview with Mrs. Hinton um, about when Charles transformed. Mrs. Henson says that every time Charles touched anyone, he and that person would then foresee someone's death. What a terrible power to have. Absolutely. That's awful. I can see how sometimes it might be helpful, except if you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. So... Then it did happen every time he touched someone. So eventually the couple themselves had to stop having any kind of physical contact. Could not imagine that. Um, For real. And then she says that no matter what Charles tried, he could never change any of the futures that he saw. So Daisy asks Mrs. Henson about the bird that Charles was carving, a robin. Mrs. Henson says that their daughter's name was or is Robin. I don't remember. I don't remember if she, if Robin is alive or not. She is. Okay. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, and that Charles eventually left home because he realized that he could never hold his child again without foreseeing her death. And he couldn't handle that. And it was driving him crazy as it would anyone. Oh my god. Yeah. (sighs) As someone who really needs physical touch in my life, this is honestly the worst torture I can think of. Truly. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um... So Malik and Hive go to the company that helped make Coulson's prosthetic hand and request to buy the whole damn company. The CEO initially refuses, but Hive uses Charles to show the CEO, quote, what will happen. At this point, I was like, oh, so that's where my brain got the, like, face-ripping visual from my horror movie Oh, God, I don't know if I'd ever told that story on on this podcast but when I first started Gabapentin I had the most horrifying dream I've ever had in my life and I don't watch horror movies I am a big baby and so I don't I had no clue where my brain got these visuals from (laughs) (laughs) and apparently part of it was this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Jesus god damn it Tantra Rowans (laughs) god damn it (laughs) damn it was fucking crazy for sure um so the ceo changes his tune quickly obviously and asks if signing over the company would be enough but hive still burns each of the shareholders alive or whatever the 
whoever eats them. I don't know. I don't... Whatever the fuck he does to his victims. <laughs> rips them apart. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. Hive then forces Malik to put on the prototype prosthetics that the company was working on so that he can, quote, feel the one thing that you crave but have never felt. Power. And the actor's name is Powers Booth. Aww! <laughs> <laughs> that was so cute. <laughs> um so May finds Daisy with her little like sleeve paws. <laughs> the 2010s were a time, y'all. <laughs> my favorite hoodie still had like to this day, my favorite hoodie has like the built-in little like thumb, thumb holes. holes. I love the thumb holes. That Thank you Newsies tour. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like that was a good sound bite. <laughs> I love thumb holes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Um, anyway, so Daisy find well, May finds Daisy and has her set up the sparring room, like how the fight is supposed to go down, so that May will be prepared and take Daisy's place and hopefully be able to save them a few seconds, the few seconds that they'll need to be able to save Charles. They then go over the drill countless times, but Daisy says it's still not fast enough. Malik is trying to use the prosthetics, but he can't quite get used to the new super strength yet. Hive gets tired of Malik messing around with smashing things and tells him to then crush the CEO's head. Um, Malik is nervous at first, um, and it makes me wonder, has he ever actually killed anyone with his own hands before, or does he always just send someone else to do the dirty work? But then he slowly starts to obey. Ugh. Ugh. This episode is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. For sure. Very gory. It's interesting because, like, I've certainly watched gorier things. I watched The the Boys, which is yeah, the Jesus most Christ. disgusting, gory thing I've ever seen. And I love that show. Um, but then, like, I feel like because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., doesn't usually have this much gore it makes more of an impact when they do have something like really disgusting yeah so just as may finally finishes the drill in daisy's allotted time go guys great job mm. um another agent runs in saying that they found the building and it's go time baby as the team is beginning to mobilize the alarms start going off Fucking Andrew <laughs> has arrived at HQ of his own volition to turn himself in. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> he says that he's losing control and he's about to turn into Lash permanently. This is just incredible timing. <laughs> what is this episode? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> this felt like it should have been a finale of some kind it, it was so much and it's just episode 15 yeah it's not even like it's not even like the beginning or end or like the halfway point or anything it's just, just a random fucking episode it's kind of it's kind of the halfway point between like it's the halfway point of the second half of the series the season so, so. The, the third quarter <laughs> yeah, but I I love wh something that I love about Agents of Shield is always that they would like part part one of the season would have one story, and then the next part would have a seemingly unrelated story, and it would tie them together at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so that's probably what it is, is that it's halfway through the second half of the season. Yeah. They're like, wait, we gotta wait. We've we forgot to tie it together. <laughs> bring it back, bring it back. 
Um, so then, to everyone's dismay, now May, of course, has to stay behind and say goodbye to Andrew, and Daisy has to be the one to go on the mission anyway and fulfill her vision. I knew she wouldn't stay at the base. Of course. Something was gonna happen. Literally never could have guessed why. (laughs) (laughs) But knew it would happen. (laughs) That's, that was why I was like, what is this episode? Because, like, that happened, and I was like, that's why? (laughs) That's why she goes? (laughs) fucking crazy so Daisy gets all ready and Coulson gives her one last pep talk before she goes off on her first solo mission oh I'm so proud of her in his worry for her he even accidentally reverts a little bit and calls her Sky. I'm assuming that he's just thinking about how she really hasn't even been an agent for all that long and god look how far she's come now she's pulling May missions. Like, she's... I'm so proud of her. She's doing a... No. You're doing amazing, sweetie. It was a real Daddy Colson moment. Yeah. Loved it. I did... <laughs> I did like that he reverted for a second and called her Sky because I don't know what it is, but I kept accidentally typing Sky so many times in this episode Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I haven't done this in a while, and I don't know why I'm doing it. <laughs> um, anyway. So Andrew finally gets his chance to talk with May. May tells him about the experimental vaccine that Simmons has been working on and how they have him hooked up to it right now. He explains that this whole time there's been a piece of Lash within Andrew and just enough of Andrew in Lash for May to be able to talk him down. But he's afraid that this upcoming change will be forever and that his Andrew self will be lost completely. But he wanted to make sure that this monster or weapon or whatever he is uh, was in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s hands and no one else's. He says, or maybe Lash says, that... He fights for a cause that maybe humans just don't understand yet. That maybe he has a greater purpose. Fitz gets the security cameras pulled up at the building that Daisy is heading to. And as they watch Kiera talking with someone in the hallway, suddenly they all freeze for a moment as not Grant Ward looks into the camera. Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. I forgot that they didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> what kind of hell did they just send Daisy into alone and without comms? Jesus. At this point my my reaction to this genuinely was just oh no Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> god. Also the way that I don't know where that security camera was, but I feel like Ward looked into it as if somebody was, like, filming with their phone or something. The, like, placement of it was so weird that it was, like, it made it look like he was literally, he was, like, oh, you're watching me, and I know they're watching me. But it was just security cameras. (laughs) Yeah. What if he did know? What if he did? Hive knows all. God, an um, omnipotent villain. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So May tells Andrew that she really doesn't care about the future. Right now, she wishes that she could change the past so that Andrew never met her, because then he wouldn't be dealing with all of this right now. But Andrew says that May is still at the center of all of the best moments of his life and that he fucking loves her. Oh, my God. This is so weirdly romantic. (laughs) (laughs) um and tragic truly so daisy gets through her fight in record time even with some improvisations look at her go 
but she didn't account for a two-way mirror and someone else pulling the alarm. This features the second one-shot fight sequence on the show. Both were performed by Chloe Bennett without a stunt, sh- stunt double and were directed by Kevin Tantarowen. Whoa! Following the success of a single-shot fight sequence in the Kevin Tantarowen-directed second-season episode, The Dirty Half Dozen, Marissa Tantarowen and Whedon wrote a similar single-take sequence into the script of Space Time. Kevin compared this sequence to the previous one by saying, I don't think any one of these versions is going to be better or worse than the other. They're just going to be different. This particular one was in a smaller room, so it was a little bit more complicated. The sequence, which took three or four hours of sprints and sprints and sprints to get right, not only accommodated the actors and camera crew in the small, intimate room, but the the producers and showrunners as well, as they wished to witness the action scene unfold. So cool. Kevin Tantarowen noted that, On shows like Daredevil or The Flash or Arrow or any of these other superhero shows, they have a mask on and a hood or something that can cover their face. On S.H.I.E.L.D., they don't have that, and it's full out. You have to make sure that the person who is acting the part is actually physically doing it. I give all of my props to Chloe Bennett for making that work. Hell yeah. On why the series' story needed the sequence, Tangerowen stated, There has been such an arc from Daisy being a computer hacker to a supreme badass. To see her expertly take out every single opponent and not hide it by cutting and, cutting and editing... I think speaks volumes about how far Daisy slash Sky has come as a character. Absolutely. That, I w- we were saying that a second ago. She has come so far. Um, and it's all because of May. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit her. And a, I mean, yes, she did the work. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not minimize that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Daisy. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's so cool. I'm so, so impressed by her. Great job, Chloe. Yeah. Great job, Chloe. Come on the pod. Come on the pod. If we compliment her enough, she'll come on the pod. Chloe. <laughs> love you. Love you. Um, so Colson, whoa, that was not the right tone for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then Colson comes through shooting. But obviously not at Daisy, because why would he ever do that? Uh, He's shooting at the window. He sends Daisy up to the roof after Charles and tells her that he's here to find Grant Ward. Yeah, the day just got weirder. (laughs) I love the tone you said that in. (laughs) Coulson was like, yeah, they just got weirder. And you're like, yeah, the day just got weirder. (laughs) That's how I felt about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So the rest of the S.H.I.E.L.D. team arrives. Fitzsimmons is in position outside, although there's no snow and not a cloud in the sky. It was ash, wasn't it? You're so smart. I'm so smart. I did. I really did call it. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Lincoln takes some of the some of the extraction agents while Coulson takes the others to then split up and search the building from top to bottom for who they think is Ward. Hive gives Guerra the order to kill anyone human. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to say, so I'll just repeat you. Just fuck. <laughs> Andrew and May are still having a nice moment talking. And May mentions that Daisy is so confident in her inhuman abilities that she thinks that she can change the future. Andrew laughs and starts to say that that's what they're trying to do with this vaccine. Um, and it, it isn't, I, you know, Daisy thinks she can change the future, but I don't think it's because of her inhuman powers. I think it's just because she's blindly optimistic. <laughs> I think it's just because of who she is as a person. Yeah. Um, But Andrew cuts off with pain on his face. It's starting. He runs behind the door and they touch hands through the glass. And I just... 
This was so sad, but I'm really glad that they got the chance to say goodbye. Hmm. When asked about the final scene between Melinda May and Andrew Garner and whether Garner is truly gone for good, Whedon replied, I think so. It's a goodbye between Andrew and May, and it's a powerful one. They were both so wonderful in those scenes. I think right now it is goodbye to Andrew and hello to Permalash. Permalash. <laughs> that sounds like... It sounds like a beauty product. Yeah, it sounds like you're, you're going to like curl your lashes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It, I used to have to perm people's lashes. What, what, what did they call it? Lash lift? Lash lift, yeah. Dang. Yep. I was an esthetician. I don't know if I ever mentioned that to y'all. Just I dropping think we've some talked about it. Just dropping some lore on the feed. <laughs> um I totally I think this was such a great goodbye scene. Because like they got to like really talk and like hash everything out and say everything that they wanted to say and like still love each other. Yeah. Um and it was so, like, the situation was so heartbreaking, but the scenes themselves, like, they just still felt so comfortable with each other. Um, it was like, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get you. Yeah. So, like, I, I forgot that it, that it was sad for a second because I was like, oh, they're just, like, talking. Yeah. They get to have their little fluff episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh fuck, right. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. So, Daisy has found the roof and sees Charles being escorted in onto a helicopter. But before she can take a step, Mallet gives her a fucking wallop <laughs> with his little super strength. Um, <laughs> little super strength. His little super strength. <laughs> And then Guerra throws a fire extinguisher at Lincoln's head. Ouch. Didn't I didn't I threaten to do that to Ward one time? <laughs> it's possible. It sounds I think like I you. did. <laughs> um and then Simmons and Fitz can't get through to anyone from the ground, but Simmons starts thinking that maybe Daisy foresaw her own death rather than Charles's. Oh my god. I I just it tickled me later on. Like, <laughs> Fitzsimmons go from, oh no, what if Daisy saw her own death? To, teehee, we're holding hands. I guess some things are inevitable. I literally thought the same fucking thing. <laughs> I'm like, is this the moment? Is this the time? <laughs> yes, I want you two together, but is now the time? Really? <laughs> Read the room. You guys have not heard from anyone. <laughs> Your whole team could be dead. <laughs> um Lincoln finally responds to Colson to say that he sees Ward, but Colson tells him not to engage because there's too much weird shit going on. And yes, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um and also Lincoln should definitely stop and get medical attention because he's bleeding profusely from his face because of the goddamn fire extinguisher. To be fair, and I don't know why I know this, but head wounds always look way worse than they are because True. there's so much blood, like, in your head. <laughs> I know that, too. I, Yeah, that's a good fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That one came out of my brain, not from Google. Look at you go. I'm so proud of you. Wow. Look how far you've come, knowing things. <laughs> wow. Um, Andrew then turns to Lash, and May is devastated, obviously. Obviously. Um, Malik continues to just fucking wail on Daisy's face until Charles stops him. And then, I don't know what Malik does to Charles, but Daisy, like, quakes Malik into the wall or something, and then Charles falls next to her and is apparently dying but having, like, a very lucid conversation, so I'm not really sure what he's dying from. <laughs> uh, 
Because he's not, like, bleeding or injured, as, yeah. or, as it seems. He just kind of fell. Was, I was going to say, like, he got, like, choked out and, like, but, but like, does that kill people once it stops? No, I don't think so. <laughs> the for him to like be dying and be and able to like have a conversation, he would either have to be like dying of a illness or something that's like taking over his body slowly or like bleeding out. That that's yeah. like the only things that I can think of for, <laughs> for the way that he would s- still able to have a conversation. Otherwise, he would have gotten better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, he's dying. That's it's that's what we know to be true. Um, <laughs> and Daisy agrees to protect his daughter for him. And but when she promises, she touches him again, which is dumb. But also, I would have probably done the same thing. <laughs> Um, and then she sees the same vision that we saw earlier in the season of a faceless shield agent dead in space. Dun dun dun. Oh my god. So, discussing Daisy Johnson's ultimate inability to change the future, Marissa Tancheron said, In this episode, Daisy believes her destiny is to alter this future. Alter? I said alter. To alter. In this episode, Daisy believes that her destiny is to alter this future, but it's right on the heels of us building this arc with Daisy where she has this hubris. She has this sense of inhuman pride. The fact that she thinks she can stop the future is an example of that pride. When we build something up in a character, we like to take it away, and this is an example of that. Okay, I see where she's coming from, but I I just don't feel like that's coming from her being an inhuman. I feel like that's just her in general. Yeah, I do. I definitely see that um, they've they've been building up that she does have, she is kind of, like, prideful and yeah. hubric, is that? <laughs> <laughs> she believes that she can do anything that she sets her mind to. Yeah. Whether or not that's only because she's an inhuman is up for debate. <laughs> yeah. Feel like. Anyway. So now it's time for the post content content. <laughs> Hive tells Guerra to go to a certain location to get something other than the exoskeleton that they had Malik in. <laughs> I I love when I don't know what's going on, but I'm trying to take notes. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, but just then, Guerra gets a call from Malik, reprimanding him for not doing his job as head of security and protecting Malik. But Guerra just looks at Hive and tells Malik that actually he's right where he's supposed to be. Oh my God! Do I wish I could do that at my job? <laughs> <laughs> hey, why aren't you watching the front desk? Actually, taking a nap in the grooming area is right where I'm supposed to be right now. (laughs) Hey, why aren't you helping this patron? Actually, sitting at this desk and crocheting is right where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm actually doing everything that I need to do. And (laughs) that's all there is to it. So, so Hive asks if Malik is okay. Gira says he's fine, except that he seems afraid. Hmm. And yeah, I bet he is afraid because the head of his security and his personal bodyguard was nowhere to be found when he needed him and was attacked. Um, And I mean, like he deserved being attacked, but his personal bodyguard wasn't there. And Malik is a poor billionaire that has never had to fend for himself before. Of course he's afraid. Of course. As he Um, should be. On a kind of sad note... Gideon, played by Powers Booth, is touched and then sees his death. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was Booth's final TV series until his death in real life in May 2017. His character later states he felt as if he was being... That's... That's kind of messed up to include in this, uh... 
It is a little bit. In this fun fact, his character later states he felt as if he was being torn apart from the inside. Booth di- Booth died due to pancreatic cancer, which caused a heart attack. Oh my god! Why would you include what? that? <laughs> Why would you include the 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 detail? As if this felt as if he was being death? torn apart from the inside. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> I got Who that one off these? IMDb. <laughs> Amazing! Well. R.I.P. Overall thoughts? <laughs> um, in Coulson's words, this was a fucking weird episode. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they got rid of Hunter and Morse and then were like, wait a minute, wasn't there someone else that we needed to tie up loose ends with? <laughs> um, but it was a great episode. I was definitely edge of my seat the whole time. I agree. Um, I have got one last fun fact. So some of the characters and themes of this episode become important again in season five. And I will not be telling you which characters and which themes. Damn it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to guess. I just thought that would be fun to include. Okay. Um, Charles, because there was no reason for him to be dead. Um... Lincoln, because I just, I just have this feeling something's going to happen to him. You know what? I bet Coulson will come back in season five. You know, I I can't (laughs) confirm or deny. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So... That concludes our episode on Season 3, Episode 15, Space Time. Yeah, bitch. Next week, we'll be covering Season 3, Episode 16, Paradise Lost. So stay tuned for that. Okay, bye. Bye. I love you.